don't cut it no more. Want a great big pipe? Hey, this is Carl Franklin in the RV in Farmington, Connecticut with Richard Campbell. And here I am in Farmington. I don't know where I am. <laughs> it looks vaguely familiar. <laughs> sort of semi-rural. Yes. And semi-suburban. I'm somewhere in the northeast of the United States. And we're here in the RV with a bunch of people. <laughs> That's a lot of people. Yeah, we just got done doing a really great event here on the road trip, and we want to talk to some of the people who are at the event, starting with you, SB. You are the president of the Connecticut.net Users Group. Are you not, sir? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm actually the, just the acting director, and you are the other acting director. But isn't it true that you do all the work and I get all the glory? Well, we need a lot of uh, rock stars in our organization <laughs> to attract the swag from Microsoft and other good vendors. This is an honest man. Is it not an honest man? <laughs> now, I, I got to ask a question, SB, which is, what is your real name? Because, you know, two letters is just not enough. Uh, it's uh, Suprio Broto Chatterjee. The first two initials are SB, and it's been SB ever since I came here 20-odd years ago. Wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah, much easier to, to deal with, SB. Now, you're a pilot. Uh, private. I'm not a professional pilot. I'm pilot in training. And I know that because sometimes when I'm IMing with you, you have a little picture of yourself in the cockpit with a helmet and the microphone on. Yeah, the, actually, the same picture is on my blog and weblogs.asp.net. Uh, I like the hobby. I do, I do that quite a bit. Is there a uh, parallel between development and plane flying? Yes, believe it or not, a lot. Uh, I see a lot of um, computers uh, coming inside the cockpit. They're called glass panel cockpits. And in fact, there's a company out there called Eclipse Aviation that's actually run by Van Rayburn, who was a former executive at Microsoft. So there's a lot of software coming inside the cockpit, too. Automation everywhere. Oh, absolutely. So I got to ask you, um, we just did an event showcasing some of the things in Visual Basic 2005. It's almost ready to ship now. Um, you, what do you think of .NET 2.0 in general? I mean, you have any? You must have some gathered some thoughts about this whole thing. Uh, I've been working with uh, Whitby 2K5 for quite a while. My preference is really for C sharp rather than VB. I work with it as well. Um, I firmly believe that SQL Server 2005 will be a very revolutionary product. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I firmly believe that. I've been working with that too. Uh, for the past couple of weeks. What are the uh, killer features that stand out in your mind? I love the language. I love C Sharp. Um, I know Richard Haleshaw came down here a couple of months ago. Uh, I'm an, Basically, I'm an old C, C++ programmer. I jumped into C Sharp. Uh, what's come now in C Sharp 2.0 is something, uh, you know, kinda, if, you, if you're a developer at heart, you'll really love this one. Yeah, I totally agree. And I know that you're a big SQL guy, Richard, too. I'm very happy with the new version of SQL. I only wish we could have it sooner. Right. So uh, what's what's running this Connecticut.net user group like? I mean, you do the logistics for the group. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, this has been a good experience for you? Excellent experience. Actually, uh, it's quite a bit of team effort. A lot of people have helped out, including Microsoft, like Tom Robbins up in Waltham. He's been most helpful. 
uh, giving us a lot of good swags, you know, a lot of good software and T-shirts and things like that. Uh, we started this a year ago. Uh, coincidentally, this is also our first anniversary. So Congratulations. Uh, yeah. This is a uh, big success. Our average attendance has always been above 40. Uh, this is really good. And this is something we did all by ourselves. And you too, Carl, you're a big part of this. Yeah, that's true. But we, we also started with practically nobody, right? I mean, the, the group had died for quite a long time. So you, you, we all sort of did our part to revive it. So uh, for somebody who doesn't go to a .NET user group, maybe they're thinking, you know, I don't need to go there. I know everything I need to know. I don't, I, you know, I can't fit any more stuff in my brain, whatever the reasons are. What, uh, besides all that, and maybe including that, what are some good reasons to go to a local .NET user group? Uh, professionally, it's a good way to network. I mean, career network. Uh, we get quite a few vendors come to our events, uh, vendor sponsors, local training companies, local staffing agencies. In fact, just this evening, I hooked up with two companies. One's New Tech USA and the other's Robert Half. And they're willing to you know, get involved with, in our events, sponsor events. And also, we're getting some very good speakers coming forth uh, we have solicited a lot of good people, and this coming New Year, we have one more event in November uh, where Dan Karen, one of the original authors from .NET New, will be appearing here, talking about .NET New 3.0 and also his book. I have a copy which I'll bring in for have him autograph it. That's so, great, SB. Well, it's been great talking to you, and uh, I'll see you at the next event. Thank you very much. This is an honor. Thank you. See you, SB. All right. Well, our next uh, guest contestant. Um, is none other than Uncle Dan, Dan Mezik, who uh, anybody in the New England area probably knows you from uh, New Tech Solutions, which is your company, training company. Yeah, NewTechUSA.com is the place. How you doing, Richard? How you doing, Carl? Good to, good to see you, Dan. I didn't expect you to show up. You know, I just a pleasant surprise. Uh, here's Uncle Dan in the audience. Hey, you know, I wasn't going to miss the rendition of Clementine if it was going to be, you know, within, within my time zone. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that's just basically how it's going to be. Yeah, I think so, the Clementine method of distributing swag has to continue for the rest of I the think, tour. Yeah, I think you may be I right. I think that worked very well. Actually, it was like a sleeper thing because, like, nobody knew about it. And, and Carl himself, as I recall, did not bring his guitar in the meeting. And, and you know, it was a very spirited meeting at the end, in part due to what Carl's a fantastic entertainment value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Forget about the content. No. Right? It's all about the show. Yeah, it's yeah. the show. So Dan, I know you're you're a huge VB fan. Um, what what has been your sort of your your take on this, your perspective historically, and then leading up to now about Visual Basic? Well, you know, VB really launched, you know, effectively with VB three in nineteen ninety three. I mean, that was the big moment. Everything before that was kind of a preamble, and then it was a, just a long ride to the end of VB six, and then. You know, with the whole dot-com uh, implode and that whole U2K thing and then the rise of Java, sort of the end of VB, and Microsoft could have put kind of put a nail in the coffin there with .NET coming out and saying, as of 2008, no more support for VB6 and all that. Um, it was kind of a, a fatal day because VB was kind of like a 21-year-old in the prime of life who kind of didn't have a future anymore. So that whole period has passed, and now with this new version, I'm feeling like, you know, the magic is back. It's back to the old days, isn't it? VB.net for in Studio 2005 looks and feels so much like VB6. I mean, the biggest thing, of course, is that it can continue. But just the the partial classes allowing us to get away from that .NET goo and get back to I click on a uh, an item on my form, I code behind it again. 
That seems all very familiar. It's all back to, heck, VB3. It looks the same. Well, you know, Microsoft historically um, has been fantastic in developer tools. In most companies, their sort of uh, corporate DNA goes back to the founder and their original products. It's hard to sort of decouple from that. Like if you look at companies like IBM or Apple or even Microsoft, Microsoft's core competence has always been in the tools. And now uh, VB developers looking at the tool, it's the IDE. So they look at the IDE and they're like, you know what? I'm really liking this. And it gives me like 10 reasons to pile back in. And, uh, you know, once you start to gain competency in the object-orientedness of things, um, there's really no reason to ever ever switch with the, with the IDE and 05. I mean, come on. Why would you yeah, go anywhere it's else? Awesome. It's awesome. It's it's just a killer IDE, and it's so extendable. I mean, what Carl showed tonight with um, – was that? Uh, Code Rush. Code Rush. Yeah, with Code I mean, Rush and with Refactor. Yeah, and I mean, you could just see uh, the IDE gaining tremendous mass. Like, like new features will come into it with every version. That it'll just become, you know, uh, bigger and better. I guess the other side of this is that now SQL Server is melded into that same IDE. So when you talk about building a solution, you talk about a complete solution. Code, data, importation rules, all of that stuff in the same project. Yes. And what's especially nice about that is some of the new things you can get at from within the IDE uh, with, respect, with respect to databases. And, and the binding model is a very cool tool. Yeah, I think binding, you know, funny, you mentioned VB3 sort of being the launching version where Microsoft sort of got that Visual Basic was going to be big. And, of course, VB3 is when they first introduced data and data-bound forms. And it was a disaster in a lot of ways. I mean, it demoed well, but you couldn't build an app that way. Right. And here we are again, six versions Magical later. Magical version three. Yeah, right? six Very versions fast. later. Have we got it right this time? Well, as far as the, you know, the sort of insulated data binding, uh, I was just um, speaking to, uh, to some students about that today. And, you know, we were talking about how in VB3, the, 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 the whole binding thing made the magazines. And then six months later, it was like, stop, don't do that. You know, right? Do it in, <laughs> do it in code. Yeah, you got to do it yourself. These things are evil, you know. So yeah. I'm kind of wondering if we're going to see a repeat of that or... Well, the difference now is that it's actually based on real code generators and not black box makers, right? Like the data environment and like, you know, the 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 stuff that we did with the data control and all that. I mean, those were just black boxes you couldn't get into, right? Yes, yes. And now there's more code that you can fiddle with after you've done the initial, you know, implementation. Ultimately, everything is visible in the .NET space. You can always go in and see what was generated. So, Dan, you've you started teaching VB. I know we told you told a story about how you actually taught my brother how to program in VB, which is a very cool story. Yeah. And you started uh teaching VB and then you got into Java and then you got back into .NET. So, where's the Java training these days? Well, you know, what happened was after the dot bomb, dot bomb implode, like uh, like here in, in Connecticut, in Hartford, many companies spent all their funds on um, Java stuff before the implode occurred, and .NET was not there to buy. So what happened was a lot of spending was missed by Microsoft because that whole thing, Java was there and .NET wasn't. So we had a whole thing going on here in Connecticut where after 99, 2000, basically it was all this Java stuff people purchased and there was some training that was to be had there. Mm. Now I think anyone who wants to know Java basically knows it. And for all intents and purposes, you know, Java training is, a, is really kind of a non-starter. And I see, you know, the .NET stuff is really being incredible. Now, with our training, we've actually had to – we've always done four-day classes. But now with, with C Sharp and VB.NET as related to ASP.NET, um, an ASP.NET class now is is five days in a language. There's just no way you can cram two languages in ASP.NET in five days. In fact, 
our five-day ASP.NET class actually is going to have a one- or two-day add-on of advanced stuff. Mm. And five days just is not a large enough container for uh, one code behind language with ASP.NET. And I've, I found the same thing to be true. Just yeah. It can't happen. And then we don't teach any of the Windows Form stuff in that class. We have four-day classes for VB.NET Windows Forms and for C Sharp. And we teach no ASP.NET in those courses. So in some sense, the, to know the full language uh, in both environments, you know, Windows Forms, ASP.NET, uh, it's, it's kind of a lot to, to digest. It's a, and it's an interesting problem, too. Of course, if you actually took an ASP.NET class in C Sharp and then took the same class again in VB.NET, there'd be a fair bit of overlap. Yes. But there's, the languages are different enough. I mean, it's one thing to learn a language. It's another thing to learn that in development environment. The dealing with the ASP.NET development environment is an important skill all by itself, irrespective of the language. And that's actually the big story in Visual Studio 2005 is ASP.NET, both... Uh, the, the the IDE pieces and the whole implementation piece is completely different because now the ID, the UI and the process are completely separate and the IDE supporting that. Yeah. And there's all kinds of new IDE enhancements for ASP.NET development. So, I mean, there's just a universe of things. I, I was just talking to SB and, and saying that it, it feels to me like there's probably two to three hundred three-hour lectures that one could do as, as user group content with this product. Yeah, easily. I, I also think ASP.NET, as we saw in 1.1, is really going to be the fuel that ignites the .NET 2.0 fire. Uh, you know, ASP, obviously, server-side, more easily adopted, right? Quicker adopted. That's what happens first, right, is that people will upgrade. Don't have to push that framework to the client. They don't have to push to the client. They don't have to worry about it. It's localized. Um, that I think is going to be the you know the, the thing that catches fire for 2.0, and then of course Visual Basic. You know, if you're a VB programmer, you haven't looked at .NET. This is the time to get in. This is the big stuff. So, uh, one final thought before we wrap it up here: what's what's the coolest thing that you've seen in the last year from Microsoft? Jeez, I mean, you know, I was thinking about that in the meeting. Uh, you know, what's the coolest coolest feature in in, in Visual Studio? And, and there's just so many. Uh, I saw one today where you can grab a chunk of code and you can just drag it to the toolbar and it's sort of a permanent clipboard. Yeah. And uh, makes an instant, instant sort of control. I, the first thing I thought is, wow, that's going to be killer for my demos. Oh, yeah. You're no kidding. You know, so, so there's dozens of features like that. But I, I think probably the greatest thing that Microsoft has done is they've made object-oriented programming actually approachable for by mere mortals for the first time in human history. Don't have to immerse yourself in object theory to be able to build an object-oriented application. Right. You can get the three-minute the three theory explanation, and then a, a reasonably competent teacher can say, here's how it's done, and here's why you care. Like today in our class, um, the, the, the instructor, I said, how do you make an object uninheritable? He goes, you use the seals keyword. And I'm like, well, you didn't mention that before. And he goes, yeah, you know, the reason why I didn't mention it is because it's a C-sharp C thing. It's actually the uninheritable keyword. But he was able to, you know what I'm saying? But he's able to, like, like snap out of it right away and then say, okay, and here's the word, and look, here's two reasons why you would actually use this. Yeah. So for the first time, you know, it, we can get out of the theory, go, go right into the, the language construct, and not only that, but, but, but know why the heck we care. Yeah. And, like, how we would actually use this. Um, 
the product is is cool, and it feels to me like uh, you know 1993. It's remarkable Absolutely. to me that we had to do as many things as we did to get to this point. We've had sort of object orientation inside a studio for versions and versions and versions, and it's only now that it's really come to fruition. Well, well, actually, developers have been like take like C plus um, plus for example. Um, I would say that the, for like the for the first ten years of that product's history. Uh, it started with 99% of the program is using none of the object features. And at the end, it was like 40% of them still not using the object-oriented right. features. Using C++ as C. Yeah. So so here we're at a place where the framework actually, like, like um, it's incumbent upon you now to actually grok the stuff fundamentally. Or the, the framework is basically unapproachable. You're not going to be able to use this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and we're there with the IDE and all the other features and the, the ease of language, you know, you got it going. So anyway, the uh, website's USA, newtechusa.com. Check it out. Thanks, Dan. And uh, so you're you're teaching classes in what? VB 2005, C Sharp, ASP.NET? Yes. Uh, as of October 1, we're all 2005 in VB.NET, C Sharp, and ASP.NET. Very good. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Carl. Good talking to you. All right. Okay, so our next guests are going to introduce themselves as... John Derry. And Ken DeRosier. And Ken, we actually met quite a while ago when... Uh, yeah, that's spoke. right. Uh, several years ago in the beginning of uh, .NET, back at uh, UTC Research Center, you were uh, presenting with Pat Hines. Right. It, we, it was sort of a two-day overview of, uh, of .NET. UTC? Yeah. Where is that? United Technologies. East Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. And uh, I remember that business card you gave me what big great pumpkin big pumpkin pumpkins.com yes what is that all about it's a hobby website that john and i have that we created uh back in uh, 1999 like six years ago yeah we were uh transitioning developers from client server technology to web technology and we needed a place to play and we knew if we built a website for our consulting company that basically no one would go there why big pumpkins well, we kind of got hung up in this um, growing giant pumpkins hobby, um, and we decided that if we built a website, we could actually have you know real users come there, and you know we could try out new technologies and actually have you know a user community. So it was all all around growing big pumpkins. Yeah, and most, you most, guys really grow big pumpkins. Yeah, most um, most giant pumpkin growers they don't know the first thing about the internet, and us being internet guys, the first thing we did was. You know, how do you grow a giant pumpkin? You, there's not really instructions on the package. All right, so wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Most giant pumpkin growers? Is this a big club? <laughs> there's a bunch of them? It's uh, it's actually growing oh, leaps yeah. and bounds, yeah. We have over yeah. 10,000 registered users. We do over a million hits a month. you got to be shitting me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> 10,000? Our, our weblogs are over 60 megs a day. Dude, That's we're a lot the, of pumpkins. We're in the wrong business. <laughs> well, t- to be fair, it is October. <laughs> and uh, we just had, you know, a new world record pumpkin weighed off in uh, Pennsylvania. So it's it's been pretty – it's a popular time of year for us. But, um, you know, all throughout the, the winter months, people use our forums and, and message boards and diaries and stuff. And then, you know, spring hits and everybody plants their seeds and it just takes off from there. And, you know, so there's – there's a little bit of a lull, but not much. So it's an ASP.NET site, and this is where you got, as you said, to play around. So you wrote all these forms and things and stuff from yeah, scratch? It's, yeah, it's all cu- all custom stuff that we wrote. It actually um, began in ASP. It was before .NET, and so now it's kind of a mix between ASP and .NET. We haven't converted the whole thing. But we still use it to play. And so this year we came up with what we call our Wayoff Manager application, which we, <laughs> we pushed out to 26 different Wayoff sites around the world. And it's basically a Ajax 
slash ASP.NET SQL Server application. What's a way offsite? Just a way offsite is a place where pumpkin growers bring their pumpkins to compete, like fairs, oh. for example, all over the country. Oh, so this is way as in W E I G H. Oh, way I thought way it was off, like where you're you way, way where off. you weigh where you weigh your pumpkins, right? Okay. And so what, specifically, just to give you a little context, these pumpkins are about fifteen hundred pounds, so they're not you know jack o' lantern size. That's a lot of pumpkin, right? So, hence the need for a way-off application manager. Right. And so, the, the requirements that we had were, let's just face it, farmers don't have the latest PCs, and they're not going to these way-offs with laptops like what you guys have here at the, uh, at the presentation tonight. Or a smartphone. No comment. And so, what we had to do was build an application that the only requirement was IE5, you know, on XP in a Windows machine. So, our, our client is script and, and JavaScript, and it uses a client-side XML storage. And then it uses AJAX when there's an internet connection to send the data up to the ASP.NET uh, web server. It's really a marriage of the old, you know, standard HTA technology with the AJAX talking to, you know, our really beefy .NET backend. And, it's and just XML, HTTP. That's the key, absolutely. right? In, the, yeah. in DOM 4. Right, right. And before it was called AJAX. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So what other types of features have you implemented with uh, .NET? I assume that you're moving to ASP.NET 2.0. Yes, absolutely. Can't wait. Yeah. And what what kinds of features have you implemented in one one besides these you know general things besides forums, let's say? Um, well, we have um, some of our administration parts of the site are in .NET now. Mm-hmm. Like for example, um, we have a feature on the website called Grower Diaries, mm-hmm. where growers can basically keep track of their growing season with it's kind of like a blog, but yeah. before it was called blogs too. Right. <laughs> and when people upload pictures and describe what they do, and then they can go back and reflect on their whole season. Um, well, for administration purposes, we have to have uh, people actually approve the photos because, as you know, on the on the Internet, if you let people post photos on your website without going through approval process, you'll never know, never know what you're going to get. You know, I get the distinct <laughs> feeling that these guys are rock stars <laughs> among the giant pumpkin community. Serious pumpkin community I leaders. Mean, they must look up to you guys like... Like magicians or something. Um, yeah, we get a kinda, lot of free yeah. beer. A yeah. lot of free beer. <laughs> and pumpkin pies. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. So what what is it that you like most about .NET 2.0? And first of all, it, what language are you using? Uh, we're both C-sharp, C-sharp developers. Okay, so what do you like best about the new C-sharp? It, it's not so much the C-sharp, I think, that excites me. It's it's the, the extensions to the ASP.NET 2.0 platform. I mean, just the fact that membership is built in. I mean... How much Provider time model. is that going to save people? And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time building our own membership model, um, and, and now we could just plug into it. I mean, that's just huge. I mean, there is a point that you could be using Intelligence uh, uh, Community Server or .NET Nuke or something like that. I know the reason you set this up originally was not because you're wild pumpkin-growing fanatics, but because you wanted a tool to well, practice Well, both, with. it sounds like. But yeah, I guess. I, I think this is a great call to action to anybody who's looking for, uh, you know, experience that – Find something to play with, man. Find a, take your hobby and turn it into a website. Well, yeah. that's that's just it. I mean, how many books can you read and actually retain that? You have to do it. You know, if not eight hours a day, you have to carve out a couple days a night and just do it. And that's what you know the pumpkin said. Carve is. out, yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But we never knew that it would turn into this huge website, and now it's like the server goes down for you know an hour or two. The people call me at home. They're like ringing my house saying, I can't get to the website. It's kind of funny. Our mantra is, it's only a pumpkin site, you know, but that means something to people. Um, it's very uh, important know. to the community, but right. yeah, you make a fascinating point. You know, we take for granted, we often think that the computer industry is so backwards on the social elements and the career elements of things because we're not as organized as, say, civil engineers. But look at your community leadership and your sort of breakthroughs in something like 
growing pumpkins. You've really led that that space and, and provided a real community site. Well, you know, it's funny. These plants are um, just so massive that at any given time, you know, even the biggest and best growers only grow maybe a, a dozen plants. Well, it's not like growing vines in a vineyard where, you know, it's a science and these grapes go into the ground and they know how to do it. And it's just the same for everybody. You know, there's a lot of experimentation that goes on with these pumpkins. And it's the Internet that kind of fosters that transfer of knowledge from person to person across the world. And that's how we're, you know, posting these massive weights. I got a, a last question for you. What is the single best substance you can put on your pumpkin plants to make them grow giant size? I should just propagate the fallacy and say milk. Oh, no. <laughs> it's actually cow shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, like we needed your website to figure there that we out. Go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But that's the truth, huh? Cow manure. Yeah, lots of organic <laughs> matter. Yeah, lots of manure. It's really got like a that. lot to do with the seeds and, and the, the way that they cross them and the genetics and stuff. And oh, okay. So you thought trading Pokemon cards got hot in the wintertime. Uh, yeah, we host seed seeds. auctions on our website. <laughs> and they're, you know some individual seeds have gone for upwards of $300. So this is a, a big thing. It's actually spawned problems of how do you certify a seed. <laughs> and on that note guys thanks this has been a great interview thanks very much Thank thanks for stopping Thank by fans thanks a lot our next guest is john alensky an alumnus of the franklin's net school of visual basic great to be here good to see you carl good to see you and uh what brought you out here besides the uh road trip you've come to these events before i mean what i mean is user group events what brings you back to you know these things time after time well for uh, the company I work for, there is really no development team and no one to network with other than coming to these events and, you know, trying to get a outlook of what's coming. So you're the developer for your group? Yes. I, I work with outside contractors. However, I'm more like a solution provider for our department. So I have to find a best match of technology to our problems. Right. And this is the way I get my information that I need to uh, continue to grow. Do you also attend code camps and things like that? Uh, not too often right now. Uh, things have been uh, – we developed our .NET platform applications, and that continues to grow, that model. So as far as learning new technologies, uh, you know, just for a one-man show, just haven't had the time. So, John, what kinds of stuff have you done with, with .NET? Uh, and have you worked with the beta at all? I guess we can wrap that question in there as well. But even with .NET 1.1, what kinds of things have you done? Well, we're a water utility company, and we use SCADA systems to monitor our treatment plants and pumping facilities, which gather tons of data, you know, by the millisecond. So... We've needed to find an application to call all this data and put it into a report format that can be used by managers. So we've used the .NET platform to do that. We have a web-based uh, data entry and hand reporting application that's been be uh, built on the .NET technologies. And uh, so data gathering, is there any kind of distribution of uh, processes or is it all a single site kind of uh, application? Well, we're distributed, and what we did was we put the Microsoft Data Engine on our SCADA machines. So our HMIs will 
log locally. HMI. Yeah, that's a human machine interface for the SCADA applications. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the acronyms. No, that's okay. And uh, then with uh, our SQL server, uh, through the DTS services, we'll go out and collect the data from these remote sites. And it's all web-based application for the reporting. So you're talking about remote sites, talking like reservoirs, that kind of thing? Uh, reservoirs, pump stations, we're all over Fairfield County, uh, Greenwich, Mystic. So, so the whole problem of moving water around to people. Right. Moving water around. And then just, you know, a way to collect this data uh, from all these remote sites so it's available the next morning. Here's a question for you. I love asking this question. Uh, every once in a while, as a developer, you think about implementing a feature, and then you say to yourself, "Oh, geez, that would—that's going to take a lot of time." You know, you have this mental block, like that's going to take too long, or it's going to be quite involved. And you roll up your sleeves and you get into it, and you figure out that it's really very simple. Uh, has that occurred to you lately, or has it occurred to you at all? Like, you, you know, something that you thought was going to be a lot more difficult turns out that there's something in the framework or, uh, you know, that turned out to be easier than you thought. Uh, truthfully, nothing that comes to mind right now. Um, what has been nice for developing in uh, the Microsoft technologies is, again, with the limited size of our department, it makes solutions that you can come up with quickly to answer problems in business. And, you know, therefore, yeah, you're answering those uh, – The if it seems like it's a problem, it's easily overcome. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, VB2005? What do, you, what do you make of this thing? Well, I've only seen one rollout, which was a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, again, with the object-oriented structure of programming and all the different sources now that you can point to for your data source, uh, whether it's a class, uh, you know, a stored procedure. And again, just the, uh, to use the old term, rapid application development, it's made it a lot easier, taking a lot of the grunt work out of uh, developing applications. Awesome. So what are you looking forward to uh, these days? What's on the horizons for you development-wise in terms of your application? Well, unfortunately, our company is going SAP. Ah. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It might be the death of a few things for me. Well, it's going to keep you plenty busy for a while. Right. SAP right. integrations I've are not easy. I've been drafted into the implementation team, which is for the next year. And so it's a little fuzzy on what's uh, out there on the horizon right now. Does your uh, boss listen to Don Ross? No. <laughs> so you think you're going to be around next year? Uh, highly unlikely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to check first yeah, before we asked yeah, that one. Right, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, are you looking? Uh, right now, I'm looking forward to working with the implementation team for the SAP group. Um, it looks like they're a bright bunch of guys, uh, you know, learn a whole new business rule in that environment, how they interact with the client, which is our company. Uh, it should be an interesting process. However, after that, um, I will be looking for other things. I'm looking at different business opportunities, not so much in a development arena any longer, but how to help small businesses uh, have a presence on the Internet, do business on the Internet, employing Microsoft technologies and streamlining their processes. Uh, a lot of businesses I've come in contact with, my wife, um, all paper-based. 
you know, no way of communicating remote offices. Uh, so they're doing things inefficiently. So No shortage of work out there, is there? Lots of apps to be built. Uh, very much so. Very much so. And uh, you guys, what you're doing uh, with uh, your PWAP productions, uh, I have a lot of ideas for that. So Uh-oh. it's going to be looking forward to talking to you guys about some Fun with WAP. All right, John. Well, thanks. It's been great talking to you. Good to see you again, too. Good to see you, Carl. Nice to meet you, Richard. Nice to see you. Good luck with your trip. Thanks. And we conclude tonight with Bill Hart, the winner of the mobile device. Bill, how are you? Very good. Congratulations. Thank you you very much. Bill, we had a chance to chat, and I asked you to come back and uh, we could talk about this because you did a mobility app sort of off the cuff. Yeah, I've been playing around a lot with um, compact framework kinds of apps, and my mom calls me a couple weeks ago and says, hey, you know, I've got this um, garden club, and we have somebody who wants to do a presentation. And, you know, it's all on slides, but of course slides now mean, you know, a bunch of digital files. And, and so they borrowed a video projector from somebody and hooked it up. Could you go run it for them? Because they don't know how to run it. It occurred to me that there was no easy way off my laptop to let this lady do in her presentation run the mouse remotely or run the you know, cursor control remotely. And I had my new MPX220 that I've been playing with. It's got a Bluetooth capability. And, you know, and I'd been active syncing it over Bluetooth and said, this is cool. So could I somehow make the keyboard on this thing run the keyboard on the pc because you know all you have to really do is hit the next key or the arrow key so you know i threw together a compact you know i've been playing with um 2005 now for for quite a while so i put together 2005 solution you know you had to have a a compact framework app to download in the phone and an app on the pc side to receive it just put a tcp connection between the two and you know the hardest part was figuring out how to inject the keystrokes on the PC side. You know, there's some... Uh, you know, Send keys or something. Well, yeah, there's uh, key BD underscore event, you know, some ancient API for that. But that was the hardest part, and it had a thing running, you know, a couple of hours. It was really pretty easy. Oh, that's awesome. It's a hilarious <laughs> little app, and just one of those things you end up putting together. Yeah, of course, then it grew, because I came home and said, well, now I want to make it work better than this, make it better than that. So, you know, now as you if you've got multiple... If you're running multiple apps, like let's say you've got PowerPoint and the um, uh, the, the Office slide uh, picture manager, I forget the name of it, but they use slightly different functions. So I I figure out, you know, I monitor which is the active app, figure out which one it is, and change the keyboard mapping based on yeah. which is the active app on the PC. Can so you switch can, between the apps on the on the handheld? Yeah, I, I, I you know I used all the keys in the keyboard, so I mapped one of the keys to the Alt Tab function, <laughs> awesome. which the hard part about it is you can't just have a keyboard map that says make that Alt Tab. In that particular case, you have to hold the Alt key down. Right, you can't right. let go of it, so it can't just be Alt Tab, Alt Tab, Alt Tab. You have to ha- you know have it stick. Right. So, uh, but you know, these are just kind of little subtle things you learn from playing. With so, them. is this something that now you're going to employ like a config file for uh, to, for keyboard mappings? Well, there's an XML, yeah, I mean, of course, it's an XML file. You can't, <laughs> you can't study anything else. But yeah, there's an XML file by application, and, and you can have a whole collection of apps and, and just automatically switch it. This but, sounds cool. So, you came here for the mobility show. Well, I I I run my own little um, ISV, the developing software for. Uh, particular vertical markets. And we use the .NET framework or the .NET product line basically everywhere. I mean, we've got ASP.NET websites. Yeah, we collect data, stick it in SQL Server. Customer, the manager might want to view it from ASP.NET, but the data is being collected from smart clients and then from handhelds. And um, 
been migrating more and more to the handhelds um, from the types of applications we're doing and actually switching from Wi-Fi-based applications to a more wide area. So you're going to the smartphone kind of applications for collecting the data. So so using GPRS rather than using Wi-Fi. Yeah. Interesting. For the most part. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, we picked the .NET platform because – of that ability to run in a lot of different environments. And I, you know, you've been asking, I noticed the question, what's the, the best thing in, in 2005 or what's the best part about the .NET framework? And there's a lot of cool things in 2005. Like, I mean, I'm a an old C++, C++ guy, so generics are like, wow, I'm, I'm really sick and tired of collection classes, you know. That's why you were asking such great questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I, you know, I've been doing all that. Of course, unfortunately, I'm still I'm running some of my mobility have to be in the 1.0 framework because the 2.0 isn't supported by the older smartphones. Yet. Right. So I've had to, like, not use generics, which has been really unfortunate. But, you know, there's a lot of neat things. Generics are cool. Um Certainly, the tool, you know, just the capabilities in in the 2005 uh, Visual Studio, like snippets and so forth, they're they're very powerful. But I think the best thing that Microsoft's done the last few years, I think the most amazing thing is that they've built a framework. I guess use that sentence even larger than just a framework, the whole environment that is so consistent all the way across all those different application areas. I mean, I'm, I'm in one day maybe writing code that's doing some ASP.NET thing and some compact framework things. And it's all the same basic structures. Same, the framework's all the same. The tools are all the same. You know, and one of the weird things, I was accidentally one day, I was clicking on um, – um, moving some files around and I had an executable that's supposed to go down to the smartphone, one of the applications. I, I accidentally double-clicked it and it came up and started running. And in an, go, in an emulation mode? No, it came up and running – on the desktop. Now, you think about that. You know, I hadn't occurred to me, but it's a, the compact framework is all in CL. Right. It's all exactly, you know, it's CL. Whether it's CL for the big guys or the CL for the compact machines, it's all CL. So it started – You mean IL? Oh, I'm sorry, IL. IL. I'm sorry. Right. It started executing – too many Cs. Coming yeah, in. I know. It, it started executing just like a regular application. Well, it didn't know it wasn't in the smartphone. It, it, it didn't care. It didn't care. Yeah. You know, there's a, I, I started playing around, discovered there's a few things where the – because now it's no longer calling compact framework calls. Right. It's calling regular, regular framework. framework calls. And there's a few things where you get in some trouble, like the way they implement web services. They use reflection on the big framework and they don't in the, in the compact framework. And so you get some strange exceptions in that case. But, you know, it, it's a very, very – uh, general, it's a very, very uniform programming environment, which I think is very powerful. You know, I mean, I came out of working in a Fortune 100, 200 kind of company as a as an architect form, and we're always worried about how you build applications that are maintainable. You know, you've got lots of programmers coming on and off the project. You don't necessarily have all the you know the the control you'd like to have if you're the personal craftsman doing it. And I think the that environment, the, the Microsoft.NET environment, gives you really a very, very strong, uh, high-quality-oriented environment. You know, the, the, the CLR, the framework, all of that really goes to making high-quality apps. doesn't matter where your skills are applied. They're going to work. Yeah, I mean, you it's still— It's close. There's always things, but it's close. Yeah, I was listening to your Mark Miller show today while I was working out. I was at the gym, and, and um, he was talking a lot about architecture. I mean, I think he's, one of the things he said was you can get a real jump on your competition— by having a good architecture. And I think he's absolutely right. I mean, you know, you can, you can certainly have three guys or five guys beat a 20-guy team if you've got the right architecture. But the .NET platform, I think, is a good platform to start with. 
you know, I mean, in the days of C++, you'd bring somebody on board and you knew it because all the, all there was no pointer references, you know, they were crashing on, and which were (laughs) hell to debug. You know, all that stuff goes away when you're running on the CLR. Right. So now your focus, your focus is on the architecture of your application, not on the architecture of your plumbing. Yeah. You don't have to do all the policing. You know, I mean, I, you know, I don't know the number of times I would beat people over the head for using STR copy. Of course, being a VV guy, you probably don't recognize No, no, that. I do. I've done that. Yeah. Hey, I, I've done some C++, man. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but you, you're right. You can worry about, at a higher level, worry about the application. And, well, you know, um, and you've got some tools in there like, um, uh, reflection, which are yeah. incredibly powerful. I mean, in C++, I was always writing these essentially property classes to hold configuration data for an object. And of course, to do that, you'd have to then manually somehow have some sort of structure to keep track of the property's name and, you know, maybe the, the, the what's the maximum value, the minimum value, maybe some help text. Yeah, well, now metadata. You, yeah metadata. Well, now you do all that, you decorate it with, with um, attributes and you can reflect it. It's just much, much easier to, to build the, uh, the classes. Right. So this is was fortuitous for you to uh, win this device, being such a mobile geek. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. I'm, I actually could use it. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to do is find a way to actually get it to you. Yeah, it would be great. <laughs> well, Bill, uh, thank you very much for stopping by and talking to us about your project and about your development. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks if, very much. If Bill. you want to, I was noticing since you're doing your application, if you want that little uh, remote cursor, I'll I'll send it to you. you I yeah, I think I'll send you an email. Okay, great, good, thanks. All right, and thanks for listening to Dot Rocks and we'll. We'll see you in New York City. New York City. The .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2005 road trip is made possible by Microsoft, without whom this whole road trip thing is a complete waste of time. And by Inner Workings, helping developers reach their full potential. Online at www.innerworkings.com. And by Telerik, providing innovative ASP.NET web controls, such as the RAD Control Suite, online at www.telerik.com. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications, online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Developer Express, makers of Code Rush, Refactor, and many other first-class .NET developer tools, online at www.devexpress.com. Support is also provided by Singular, who encourages you to check out their developer center online at developer.singular.com. Time for it. Life is hard.